How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Glad to see everybody again. You'll get to hear from me again here in a moment. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, a lot of you know me, some of you uh, may not, so uh, my name is Pastor Bradley. I'm here, the associate pastor here at All Seasons. A lot of you have heard me before over the, over the last several years, and so you kind of understand uh, that, honestly, from time to time, you never know how the Lord's going to speak to me. I, I, I've known in my life that sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a thought I hear, sometimes even, I mean, weirdly enough, sometimes I'll have a dream and it sort of sparks a place where I want to go, well... Uh, I have a little bit of a, maybe a parable or a story of something that happened to me recently that kind of led me to, to seek this thought that I want to share with you this morning. So if you'll bear with me for just a, a little bit as we kind of go through this. Um, a few weeks ago, actually it's, it's a few weeks, summer's been going crazy, so it seems like it was just a few weeks ago. It was actually about a month ago. Uh, my family and I traveled to uh, Colorado uh, my brother-in-law was getting married, so it was like this big family excursion with me and my wife and my kids and her parents. So you can imagine how we kind of felt like, you know, uh, piling up into this vehicle and then into a plane and then in the vehicle, Mississippi country fried, you know, I'm as country as a brown egg. We're going to the big city of Denver, a place we had never been, driving around, trying to, to load and, and trying to navigate things. It was quite an adventure. Well, fast forward, we had a good time. Her brother got married. We got to spend time with her other brother that lives in Tennessee that was all there. So the last day of our trip, we go to a baseball game. Another thing, if you don't know me, I'm a ballpark nerd. So I kind of like to go and see different places, especially when I go to a different city. I kind of want to... See the baseball parks. I got a little checklist I try to keep up with. So it was a good opportunity. We got to go see uh, the Colorado Rockies play in their baseball stadium. And it was kind of a neat moment. It was me and my son and my brother-in-law and his son, my nephew, and and my father-in-law. So it was like all three generations of guys on my wife's side of the family. And we were sitting there. We were having a good time. We were drinking Coke and eating hot dogs and all those type of things you do at the ballpark, right? I even looked and snapped a picture of the generations, got a little, I was kind of in my feelings, you know, little cats in the cradle and the silver, all those things were going through my mind. It was kind of a nostalgic moment that you kind of, when you get married, that you know and you long for, man, I'm becoming a part of a family. This is, the, this is what we live for. So I'm getting to a point, some of you are starting to wonder, I can sense it. We're sitting here in this uh, in the ball game, and as usual, we're watching. And, and I'm a Chicago Cubs plan, the fan. The Rockies were playing the Rangers. I, I, it was kind of cool. We, I didn't really care what happened. We were just there to see the game. Hopefully, it would be entertaining. I was having an opportunity to teach my son some things when we would see different things happen on the field. Well, about the fourth inning, my son, you know, he's pretty, if you know Joseph, he was up here uh, about a week or two ago, just got baptized. He's pretty excited about anything. It doesn't take a whole lot for him to get fired up. And he was obviously fired up because he was there with our family. But about the fourth inning, baseball is kind of slow. That's why I like it. It's kind of relaxing for me. I don't have to think about it. Baseball's kind of slow, and he was starting to get a little bit, you know, it was fun and all, but he was starting to get a little bit uh, distracted. And so he started looking on the big screen, like at most big stadiums. And so about the fourth or fifth inning, in between every inning, every half inning, they start, this camera starts going around. If you've ever been to, to an event like that, the camera starts going around, and it's looking for people that they can put on the board, and people can start waving and clapping and screaming. And so that catches the attention of my son. And my son starts to come up with a goal. You know where we're going. He's like, Daddy, I want to be on that screen. Again, if you know my son, that's of no surprise. So I said, well, son, you're going to have to get the camera's attention. So kind of as a joke, you know, 
I wanted to see what he would do. I said, well, just stand up and wave and jump around and maybe the camera will find you. So the end of the fourth inning, my son jumps up and he's like waving and dancing and his hands, it looks like what people used to do on Sunday night when I was growing up. I mean, he was, he was, he was doing everything he could to get the attention of that camera. The fourth inning goes by. The fifth inning goes by. Every, same thing at, the, at each half inning. The sixth inning goes by. Even my, my brother-in-law and, and my nephew who were sitting next to me, I got kind of tickled. I could tell they were sort of laughing at him. I'm like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. You know, it was kind of their attitude. You know, they didn't say that, but I can sense. Finally, seventh inning, top of the seventh inning, we look up there. Joseph's jumping up and down, and lo and behold, who is on the big screen? Joseph. And he got five seconds of fame in front of the 20,000 or so. It may not have been that many there in the stadium. And you would have thought that was the cherry on top of all the fun things we did on that trip. That was the thing he remembered when he was able to get the attention of that camera and it was able to see him in all his glory. Now, some of you are sitting here really thinking now, Pastor Bradley, what was the point of this story? Well, the way that God speaks to me is he allows those things to happen and he started sort of dealing with me. Because, you know, theologically, there's kind of a... I'm like, all right... I believe there are times when, you know, we are the children of God. He said he'd never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I, I theologically do not believe that we should live in a state where we have to beg God to do things on our behalf, okay? I, I, I believe that. I don't, I, you know, we talk about desperation and there are songs sometimes we sing about being desperate and I... I think as children of God, I think that, you know, the, the Bible says that when the veil was torn, we can walk boldly before the throne. Amen? So that's on one side, but there's also a side when I read the Bible and I see, though, there are times when God is looking to see if we're willing to step out of ourselves to get His attention. Are you all with me? I believe there are times when God wants us to go beyond our normal life, to go beyond our routine, to go beyond what's comfortable and see what we can do to capture His attention on our behalf. So if we can, I want to show you just a couple of passages. This may not even take long this morning. Some of you are shouting already on that. But I want to show you a couple of passages and show you how I believe that in our lives... Even though it looks crazy to other people, there comes a point where God is asking us to step out of what we're used to in order to activate His hand to move in our lives. And so if we go to the book of Luke, chapter 18, I want to walk through a couple of stories in that chapter that sort of show this. At the very beginning of the chapter, Jesus is talking. And again, I I won't take the time to go through all of this. This will be your homework. Everybody say homework. You may want to go read Luke 17 this afternoon or sometime this week and sort of get the context. Jesus has spent that whole chapter sort of teaching and dropping bombs of truth all over the place. He's telling people, hey, the kingdom is at hand. That whole chapter is him talking about the the signs of the times and talking about the fact that the kingdom of God is coming and that's what's important. And it's not going to look like what you think. They thought in his time the kingdom of God was him coming in with an army and they were going to come and overrule the Romans and they were going to slay them physically and he was literally going to be the king there in Jerusalem at that time. But that wasn't the the way it was going to happen and it wasn't of that time and he was telling them the kingdom of God is coming and it's going to, to come when things get rough. 
I don't know about you, but look around the last 18 months or so, how much has seemed to be accelerating in society and in the atmosphere of, of times shifting and changing and things happening that we did not expect to happen this quickly. So Jesus has just finished talking through all of those things, a lot of prophecy, a lot of talks about what's to come. And then in chapter 18, it starts with this in verse 1, Then He, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So before he even begins this story, he gives a very important command that will kind of be a first point I'll give to you. When we look around and things get bad, if you look at Washington, D.C., and it just melts, it just brings rage to you. I don't know if it does or not, but maybe you're in that case right now where you look at Washington, D.C., and you look at the gas pumps, and you look at uh, your, your, your accounts, your stock accounts, and all these things, and it just enrages you. Or maybe you're just looking at some of the situations your family's going through and some of the broken relationships and some of the people in your family that have chased after worldly things and have been caught up in sins that you never thought they would get caught up in. It can be easy to lose heart. Amen? It can be easy to lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? Well, it means to, to doubt. It means to think, well, maybe this all isn't what it's supposed to be. It's when you hear the doctor's prognosis and that doubt starts to come in and say, well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm just not going to be here much longer and we lose heart. We lose hope. Maybe again, it's when we check our bank account after we've seen like we've worked so hard and so long and so many hours and we're still not, seem, not, not getting ahead and all the different things of life keep coming our way and we don't know what we're going to do. It's easy to lose heart and to give in to doubt that God can come through. It's, it's when we have fear, when we allow fear to enter our hearts and we fear that maybe I know that God has told me I could do this, but maybe the right door is not going to open. I don't know the right people. I don't have the right type of network. I don't, I don't have the type of personality that's going to get me where God says I'm going to go. And that's a bottle of water that just fell. We have fear. Sometimes we fear and we get afraid. We're afraid of what's to come. What if another strand and another strand and another strand of virus keeps mutating and we have to go back to the way it was? That's fear. That's losing heart. It's when we get discouraged. Surely you never get discouraged. You never put all of your energy, time, and resources into something you just knew was going to be good Maybe something for your family, you just put all your time into it and it just didn't work out the way that you thought it would. Put all this time in that business venture and you, th you just knew the plan was going to be right, but it didn't, didn't happen. Or maybe in a ministry venture, you had this great idea, this event, or you were going to teach this lesson, or I was, I've been there, I'm going to preach this type of sermon and it's just going to light the, the world on fire and everybody's going to be excited and you deliver it and it's just like... You may not have been there. What happens is you can easily get discouraged and you can begin to lose heart. I'm here to tell you it is, it is natural for us to lose heart. It is, it is ordinary and normal for us to be tempted to lose heart. Let me make sure you understand that before we go further. Every single one of us at times are going to face a battle with fear, unbelief, or discouragement in our lives. So the problem isn't whether you feel that way or you face it. The problem is how you deal with it. 
In other words, this is the way I like to say it, the problem is, do I allow myself to stay in discouragement? Y'all listening so far? Do I allow myself to stay in discouragement? There's plenty of times in my life and plenty of times when I thought something was going to work one way and it actually went the other way. And so the natural feelings are disappointment, discouragement. You start to doubt what God has told you. You start to feel those feelings of fear. All those things are going to happen to every single one of us as believers. But what I have learned in my time of following the Lord is those things can only defeat me if I stay in those things. If I allow those feelings to come, but then immediately begin to speak the Word of God and begin to declare faith and begin to remind myself of His promises, then I'm not able to stay there. My faith is built and I'm able to move forward. Amen? So that's what He said. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So what is our way to stay away from losing heart? He says it clearly right there. Pray. Pray. I know we joke about it a lot. You know, we, we're, we're a society of venters. Anybody understand what I'm saying? We're a society of venters. Used to, you, and I guess you still do, you probably have those two to three people on your contact list. They may be kind of star. They may be your favorites. That when something doesn't go your way and you just need to get some things off your chest, that's who you're calling, right? We call it venting. And then again, over the last 15 years, the fad that sort of boomed that allows us to vent whenever we want to, not even, we don't even have to call anybody, we can just vent to everybody in the whole world, we can let everybody know how bad it is, right? It's called social media. And even if I don't want to type out words, I can go and just take, take a selfie with a frowny face and everybody will know it, right? But none of those things fully, they may in a moment help you release some aggression, but here's the truth of the matter. None of those things can fully remove you out of that place of losing heart. The true, the only way that you can fully vent is when you close the door of your proverbial prayer closet, wherever that is, and you get along with God and you begin to vent with Him and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why I've been faithful so many years and I prayed so many prayers, but this answer didn't come the way I thought it would. God, I don't know why I put so much time and energy into this and I just knew it was going to be successful, but it doesn't seem to be taking off and and, and I don't know if your hand is blessing it. Father, I don't know why I've, I've made all these decisions following after what you've said, but I have not seen another bigger door open like I thought it would. God, I don't know why I prayed for these kids who I raised right, and you said in your word that they won't depart from it if we raise them right. But Father, they're not living for you. They're heathens. Y'all know the prayer. And I, you may pray some different things. I don't know. I can't. But, but you've all been there. We've all been there. We, we, when we get into the prayer closet, we say, God, I don't know what's going. But I do know that you're the author and finisher of our faith. I do know you're the one who created this universe. Father, you're the one who spoke these promises in existence to begin with. So, Father, it may not look the way that I think it should or I thought it would, but I know that it's still under your control. And when we begin to talk to God and we begin to flesh those things out, man, something happens. The Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives and that spirit of heaviness we're able to trade and we're able to put on a garment of joy and gladness. Amen? So Jesus said, listen, men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Always talk to God. Always communicate with God. Not just today while you're in here, but every day. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That means consistently communicating with God. 
All right, that was good preaching for one verse. Let's go to the second one, see what he said. So he begins telling the story. He says, this is the point you need to know, but let's get into the story. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God. Who would have thought a politician who didn't fear God? He he wasn't someone who was looking at the, the ways of God. He wasn't looking at the things of God. He didn't regard man either. So he wasn't, at least he didn't discriminate. He didn't care for God and His commandments. He didn't really like men either. He was sort of in his position of power, and he likes that power. So understand the character Jesus is creating. This is a guy who is arrogant. He doesn't like anyone. He likes to throw his weight around, so to speak. Verse 3, now there was a widow in that city. Now throughout the Bible, throughout Jesus' parables, isn't it kind of amazing that he loved to to sort of point out and show these characters who were sort of underdogs? Y'all like underdog stories? I mean, when I'm watching a movie, my favorite movie of all time is Rudy. Y'all watch Rudy. Football season's about a month away. I'll be starting to watch Rudy about every week here coming up because... Rudy, this, this kid who barely even made his high school team, said he was going to play for Notre Dame and tries for five years and finally gets in and gets to play one play at the end. It's the ultimate underdog story. Why do we as Americans like those stories? Because a lot of times I think we identify as underdogs. That could be a little bit of a, a different sermon for a different day, but sometimes we like to identify and we, we understand because we've all faced obstacles and we've all faced uh, adversity. Well, here's a widow. The ultimate adversity you could face in that culture would be a woman who loses her husband. The husband in Hebrew culture is what gave the woman her identity, basically. Gave her her provision. Everything she had was based upon the fact that she was married. A woman who had lost her husband, it was devastating. It's obviously devastating now, but especially in that culture. So he's telling the story. There's a widow, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. So apparently this woman, this widow, had had a conflict. There was someone, an adversary, meaning enemy, someone who had done something to her, whether it was someone who took some property that didn't belong to them and belonged to her. Maybe it was someone who just spoke something negative about her. Maybe it was someone who caused her some sort of physical pain. We don't really know. It doesn't go into any any detail. We just know that there is someone who has wronged her, and she within herself cannot get justice for that. So Jesus continues, she goes to the judge, I need help. Now remember, again, what do we say about this judge? This is a judge that doesn't fear God and doesn't regard men. But the next verse, it says he would not for a while. So she goes to this judge and says, I need help. Was there any ounce of compassion on the inside of him? No, he wasn't having it. He was, I I can imagine when I read that, he's just sort of sitting here in his high lofty chair and she's coming up to him and saying, please help me, I need help against this adversary. And he probably just kind of shooed her away and had someone drag her out of the courtroom, drag her out of the building. He wasn't hearing it. He sort of treated her like a telemarketer that calls you, that's going to call you this week and reminding you about your car warranty and let you know that Visa MasterCard Services has a special plan for you. You know those people that eventually just hang up and let them go. But afterward, he finally said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest 
By her continual coming, she weary me. Do I have any parents in the house? (laughs) Y'all know that thing that your kids keep asking for over and over again? And you made the right good decision the first time. No, you will not have any candy because it is about an hour and a half before lunch. And if you have this candy, you may not eat your lunch. I mean, that is a very good decision. That's a firm decision. Any parents ever been worn down? About the fifth time in 20 minutes, there's one of two things that can happen. It can be a bad day for everybody and you can sort of snap and blow up and really lay down the law. I've I've done that. I'm confessing here. Or you can say, look, I just need you to leave me alone. Here, have this Tootsie Roll and get out of my face. Anybody ever been there? That's sort of where this judge was. And this was not a judge that was compassionate, as we said. This is not a judge that even feared God. But he understood that this woman is not going to stop, not going to continue bringing her request before me until she gets an answer that she's looking for, until something happens, until something changes in her situation. And so that's what he said. Unless she continues to come and wear me out, wear me down, weary me, look, I'm going to give her what she needs. I'm going to handle this situation for her. And then the Lord said this, Jesus in verse 6, hear what this unjust judge said. Hear what this unjust judge said in the next verse. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? If someone is unjust, kind of has that natural disposition that where they will answer a consistent and a persistent prayer, a persistent request that's continuing to come. If, if, if he will eventually work that out and answer that plea, how much more should the, the, the holiest judge in the universe, our Father God, how much more is he willing to listen and move on our behalf if we will cry out day and night to him? You know what that means? As much as our society, as I said, we're kind of selfish. I talked about in the offering, we get kind of materialistic. Another thing our society very much is, as we have gone along, is we are very impatient. We like things to happen very quickly. I mean, goodness, if there's more than three cars in a drive-thru, we're not stopping. Maybe maybe I'm not stopping, okay? My goodness, look at what I, I kind of joke around, and I'm not... Uh, maybe just the way I observe society. I mean, think about the way things used to be. When I was a kid and I wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to a store. You had to hope that that movie was behind the box. You had to, to, to get it. You had to take it home. More than likely, whoever rented it before that didn't rewind it. So you had to sit there and rewind and wait for that. Then you had to hit play and you had to like watch through like seven previews before the movie started. You could fast forward, but let's get real. Fast forward was... Just basically you watching it a little bit faster. It still took time. We morphed to DVDs, but even then sometimes they, they learned how to encrypt those discs and then you had to sit and watch previews. And now we, our society has evolved to where we, just, we don't even want to wait for that. We're willing to pay and we can just hit a button and we watch everything and stream it instantly, right? You're thinking, what are you talking about, PB? What does this have to do with the Scripture? Well, he who bears along with them 
God bears long with us. He suffers long. Aren't you glad God's patient with us? Yet we're not willing to consistently remind Him and talk to God and work through our prayer lives. We think that if we pray one time and it doesn't happen immediately, then God didn't hear us, God didn't answer us, and we're in a bad way. We begin to, as we just talked about, lose heart. But our society that's so fast-paced and we're moving so quickly and that's so wrapped up in the fact that we, we need to have everything instantly, God doesn't work on time. He, he, he's not on our time. He's eternal. So what seems like forever to us is really nothing to God, the God who created the universe. Amen? So that's what he's saying. If you will cry out to him, if you will continue to persist, if you will not grow weak, if you will continue to pray, he's not saying beg. That's the reason I wanted to make that clear at the beginning. He's not saying beg. He's not like the sons of Baal with Elijah that had to scream and shout and cut themselves for all day long. But are you willing to be patient with me and trust me? Notice what he says in the next verse. Jesus says, I tell you, that He will avenge them speedily. When you're willing to trust God and when you're willing to continually pray to God, then He's going to answer you. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? What a powerful verse He ends this parable with, this section of the chapter. Will the Son of Man, when He comes, really find faith on the earth? Because if we truly have faith, we believe that God will do what He said He would do. And if we truly believe He will do what He said we would do, then we're not going to get impatient. You know, again, I'm talking about kids and their persistence. They also, especially my oldest son, Joseph, I was just talking about, if you tell him something, you better be very, very careful what you tell him. Because he's going to remember. You know, I, I, I know my parents would do it to me sometimes. And as I become a parent, I'll do it. And I'm, I'm, again, this is confession time. Maybe some of you, have you ever just kind of told them something to pacify them in the moment, hoping they'd forget later? Am I the only one? Okay. You know, yeah, sure, we'll, 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 we'll look at that later. We'll look at that later. Well, guess what? The next day... He's going to be right there asking. That's the first thing he's going to ask that morning. Okay, you said that we would do this. He reminds me of what I say. And guess what? Because he is that persistent, because he remembers those things, not that I didn't want to do it to begin with, but like if I were to tell him today, next Saturday we're going to do something, guess what? Every day until Saturday, he's going to remember and he's going to tell me, all right, we have five days until we're doing that. We have four days until we're doing that. We have three days until we're doing that. He's going to count down until it gets to that point where we get to enjoy what it is that we had planned to do. He didn't start doubting on Wednesday and say, well, I don't think Saturday's ever going to get here and you'll probably change your mind. We're not going to do that, are we? You know what? That's how we respond to God a lot of times. God gives us a promise in saying that, hey, in due season, you're going to reap all of those seeds that you've sown. When those things haven't harvested and grown as quickly as we thought, we start doubting. God's saying, no, if you'll just trust and continue to be hopeful while you're waiting for that to happen, you're going to enjoy this journey a whole lot more. That's what faith is. Amen? 
All right, so kind of interesting, he begins the chapter with this story. I want to go to the very end of this same chapter. Now, there's some other important things Jesus does, but I think it's interesting that the chapter's book ended this way. Let's skip to verse 35. Verse 35 in Luke 18. Then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. That's what blind people could do in that day. Again, they lost their sight, like the widow who had lost her husband. They're sort of dependent on society, dependent on others to try to make ends meet. And so this blind man is sitting there. He's begging, asking for money. And in verse 36, he hears a multitude pass by. And he asked, what does it mean? He heard this loud voice. Imagine it's dark and you can't see. And you imagine you hear a sound coming down the road. What is happening? I can't see what's happening. And so they told him, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus. So he had heard that name, so he begins immediately crying out in verse 38. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then notice the next verse. Those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Now imagine, get, get the picture. If, if, if I know that, man, my entire life is affected by the fact I can't see, but here comes somebody who can change my situation. Here's somebody that with one moment can radically change it. Not somebody I'm hoping may but someone I know and I've heard the story, the firsthand testimony of other blind people who have been healed by this guy and he just happens to be coming by where I am, I'm going to do everything I can to what? Get his attention. I would stand up and, and jump and holler and raise my hands like a nine-year-old boy at a baseball game trying to get on a big screen. Now notice what all the other people said. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. He likes reverence. He likes honor. Don't bother him with this. You're just a beggar. Maybe because him screaming was so out of the norm that it, it upset them. Maybe they had good intentions. I mean, this is, this is the stuff that I read into. I'm not telling you this is what I, I speculate when I read. I like to look at all the angles. It's just who I am. We don't, we don't really know. Maybe... They had good intentions. Maybe they thought that he would bother Jesus, and we just, yeah, you just don't need to bother Jesus. He has important work to do. But this is what I love. Everybody around him, all the haters started hating. All of the people started throwing all of this noise at him and telling him what he should do, telling him he was too much, telling him that he was going too far. Does it say that he stopped for a moment? It just says, but he cried out, all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. I wonder what would happen in our direst of circumstances, whatever it is that you're facing here this morning, that you have, you just know that I need relief. I don't know what everyone in this room is going through. Hopefully, maybe you're all in the mountaintop experience where everything in your life is fantastic, and I'm praising God with you for that. But maybe you came in here today in one of the worst storms and the worst seasons of your life, and you need some relief. You need the person passing by who could change your situation. You need the person who could come by and touch you. The same person who 
touched the blind man and led him to see. The same person who could speak to dead people and see that dead person rise again. You need that person to speak something in your life today. What would happen is instead of backing off and refusing to get out of our comfort zone, we somehow changed our situation and allowed God to see where that we were serious about Him. What does that look like for you? I don't know. Because each one of us are different. I could tell you different times when I needed to hear from God that I needed to change up some things. I mean, can we start real practical? Maybe in the sense of, of my worship. You know, I, I admit, I'm not, a, uh, I, I get kind of dramatic here when I'm speaking, I know. I'm, I'm not overly an emotional person. I think most people know me would probably say that. I don't just get super out of my wits. Even in, in worship, I love God, but, but you know, and I, I, I worship God, but I'm not jumping and dancing around. But I tell you what, there have been times and circumstances where the Lord told me that if you wanted to see my presence more and you want to see me move more in your life, you may need to get out of your comfort zone more. You know, we just spent four weeks with, with, with students here. You've heard about it all the last month. We've had a month of students here. You know what I love about youth camp? It's one of the coolest things. There's plenty of cool things. One of the coolest things, man, they're in worship. There's not a whole lot of, uh, of just super reverence. I don't mean that people are going wild. Don't, don't, maybe reverence is the wrong word. There's not a lot of stoic, just people aren't too, super worried about their stature. There's a few kids here and there. You can tell the ones who are trying to be cool. Do you know what those kids who want to go after God and know that they need God to touch them do? When the music begins, well, they get out of their seats and they're up here. I'm not telling you how to worship. I'm not, don't, this isn't any kind of manipulation. I don't get or gain anything out of it. But what if maybe, you know, you say, I need God to move, but I come into worship with the same attitude and the same uh, atmosphere. I, I just stay here in my same seat every single Sunday. What if you got up and moved and allowed God to speak to you in a different way? I'm not saying you have to come up here. There's kids that, and, and this is more of what, what, what I would do when I'm not working. I'm, I'm back there pacing and roaming or laying before the Lord, worshiping God. Again, am I saying that's what you have to do? No, but that's a start. Maybe if you get your devotions in a passive way, maybe there's a time where you need to set the alarm a little bit earlier. And maybe if you kind of, you know, and again, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just giving you some examples of what you could do. There are times when I've had devotions where I like to make sure I was sitting and eating or, or drinking coffee and just sitting there at the, at the table doing devotions. And there was a season in my life where that became comfortable. And God would tell me, all right, you've then got too comfortable with your devotion habit. Maybe you need to go somewhere else. There'd be times when God would lead me, and this is me. I'm not telling you He's going to lead you, but He'd lead me to, to, to spend time on your face before me before you look in the Scripture. Maybe the actual posture that you're praying. I used to pray all the time in my car. I still do. There's nothing wrong with that, especially when I, I used to have a longer commute. But even that became comfortable. It became distracting. God said, if you really want to hear from me, are you willing to sort of get out of that comfort zone? So I had to go from praying and spending time in my comfortable seat behind the wheel of my car to getting on my knees, getting on my face, going into a prayer closet or into a specific room. Is this okay? Some of you, maybe you're tired of seeing the same results in your life and you're wondering why God isn't moving, but God may be calling you to, to get out of your comfort zone and change your perspective and change your posture a little bit. 
Maybe it's time to push the plate back for a certain amount of time and fast. Not because, again, we have to beg, but it's just a way to change our position and for God to see that we're serious about hearing His voice. I don't know what it looks like for your life, but I believe the Holy Spirit does. And I believe even as I'm speaking right now, that the Holy Spirit can begin to move on some of your hearts. There's some of you that have prayers that you've been praying, and there's things that you need God to break in your life, and there's things that you need Him to move. You need His hand to be released and to move in your life. And He's ready to do so. He's simply ready for you to make a move to cry out to Him. And I'm sure there's some of you, when you start doing those things, just like them, there's going to be voices talking to you saying, Stop! Be quiet! You're crazy! You're that weird person that gets out of their seat during worship. Why do you do that? Is that really necessary? It may not be necessary for you, but it is for me, because I need the Lord to move. You know, I don't see the need in having to read and pray all that amount of time during the day. Well, you do you, but I know what I need God to do for me. Amen? And so notice what happens. Next verse. He's still crying. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. So Jesus just stopped. He didn't go close. He stopped. That's powerful. He was walking towards them, but once he heard the cry, he stopped so he could hear. But notice he said, command him to be brought to him. Bring him to me. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what is it that you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Let me tell you another key to persistent prayer that will help break some change in your life. Pray specifically. Listen, I know we, we kind of have this idea. I hear pastor, you he kind of preaches about it, talks about it all the time, this attitude that God's going to do what He's going to do. And, and, and we know that God is sovereign, but sometimes that attitude, we, we use that as an excuse to live passively. We're just going to sit here. We're not going to pray. We're just going to let God do what He's going to do, do what he, he does. No, sometimes God wants us to ask specifically for things. Is He going to respond to everything specifically that we ask? We may not get everything we want. But I mean, I grew up with a very simple principle with my parents. You don't know if you don't ask. And so He told him, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And so Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. He asked, and Jesus was right there, and He made him well. And notice what happened. Next verse, 43. Immediately, He received His sight. He followed Him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, what did they do? Gave praise to God. If we will persist, God will answer our prayer. God will do things in our life. God will respond to us. And He doesn't respond to us, though, just again, so we can live our best life. We have that backwards, too. We want the blessings of God so that everybody can see us and pat us on the back. No, I don't, I don't glorify in the, the blessings of God so that people could say, wow, that Pastor Bradley, he's got it going on. No, I want praise to be given to God. Because when people see me blessed, they know that there's not anything that I've done. 
I only have it because of the goodness and the mercy and the glory of God. Here's what I want to encourage you with. It's easy for us to lose heart, as I've said. Sometimes we lose heart because things don't look like the way that we think they should. And these situations, the persistence and the prayer saw the answer. It may not have come immediately, but it came when it needed to. I'm going to go to one more Scripture if you'll bear with me. I think I have a little bit of time. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. As I get ready to read this, can I, can I be a little transparent with you guys? Are you all okay with that? Let me be a little transparent. Not too transparent. I know some people are like, what's about to happen here? Nothing, nothing weird. I, just, I, don't, I, I, I don't share too much of, of some of the personal battles I, I deal with. and I don't even share this trying to gain any, any sympathy. That's the reason I don't. I always say, God, I don't even like talking about myself much because I don't want to feel like either I'm trying to make myself sound good or I don't want to gain any sympathy. But... But I feel like this week the Lord has, has sort of released me to kind of deal with some of the things I've been dealing with and, and maybe it'll be a help to you. You see, there have been times where I've prayed to God and I've lost heart. I've gone through seasons where I've lost heart, even in the middle of doing ministry. Can you believe that? Yeah, there's times I've lost heart. There have been times where things I thought were going to go a certain way it didn't go the way that I thought they would. But the Lord has reminded me constantly that His blessings are still with me even if they don't look the way that in my mind I conjured them up to look like. I'll kind of give you just a quick example. And then I want us to look at this Scripture and then we'll pray. So as I said, the last four weeks, or coming back, yeah, the last four weeks of camp, they were phenomenal. But there was one thing I dread every time I get involved in camp. There's, there's sort of a highest of highs and then there's a low part for me, okay? One of the great things about camp over the years, I've been going to camp, you know, since I was 10 and then working camp just about every year since. So, I mean, I've been a part of camp for probably about 25 years. And so I have relationships with people that I've sort of, uh, you know, been able to foster and develop and grow with over those 25 years that I get to see when they come here these last four weeks and get to hang out with as we're working. And those things are great. That's the highlight of camp. That's why I love it. But a lot of those people are in ministry, and they're pastoring. And really, especially a lot of people my age are kind of going on, and they're doing these different things. And there always comes a point where conversation begins when we're trying to, when we're hanging out, and and it's something that the enemy uses to mess with me. You see, I accepted the call to ministry at the age of nineteen. I finished college, I got my education degree, but I, in my mind, my 19-year-old mind, that I'm going to finish college and that'll be a year or two, but man, I'm going full-time ministry. That's all I'm going to ever do for the rest of my life. That was Bradley's vision, okay? But over the course, as I've now been in ministry since I was 19 and I sort of started that, here I am 35 and I am thankful all seasons has been fantastic to me. I work here, but I also teach. And every time I get around, so this summer was another one where I get those questions. When you finally going to go full time? Why are you still working at that school? Okay, they really don't talk like that, but that's the way it sounds when the enemy starts. 
Once the enemy starts kind of putting it through his translator, that's what it all sounds like to me, even though their voice really don't sound that way. But no, I start getting those, what are you doing? And most of them mean well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they have ill will. I'm not saying that they know or they think that they're tempting me or they're sort of putting, I don't know. They they all mean well. They're just asking. They're like, hey, I know, you know. And I'll be honest, there are times when in my life, in my in my private time, not what anything has done to me, what anyone, you know, nothing, no way that I've been treated, nothing like that. But there are times when I'm like, God, so is this the time? I mean, I've had those conversations. I hear people preach every year at camp meeting. We, I, I hear sermons, you know, about every other week here where I start getting fired up. Yeah, there comes a point where we have to forsake everything and go after the call of God. And I'm ready. Like, God, I will put my house for sale tomorrow. I will tell my principal tomorrow. These, these kids that give me a hard, especially on certain days, these kids that give me a hard time, I will tell them by tomorrow. I will walk up in here with shorts and a tank top and say, deuces. That's, I mean, that gets in my mind. God, I'm ready. Please, please hear me and understand. Every time I get in that situation, it isn't man that's told me. It, it isn't, it's God who said, no, you're doing what I need you to do right now. Does it mean that I meet it and say, okay, well, let's go? No, I'm like, why, God? And I admit there's kind of partially, partially of it is, is I believe, a spiritual zeal to do the things of God. There have been seasons in my life, honestly, where I was just, I just wanted to be in a certain perspective, so I looked a certain way toward, for, for other people. Does that make sense? I wanted to look like I was more important. That's not of God, and so I know He's taught me that, but there's still times I wonder, God, why, why hasn't the door opened for me like it's open for other people? But God says, listen, son, I see you. When certain times come for you to step into something that I need, it's okay. I've got you. You're in the perf- you're in my perfect will. And then he reminds me, lest you forget that you're living in the answer of prayers you prayed long ago. Let me tell you something, okay? Again, I'm not, not to get too catch in the cradle again, as I said earlier, but I grew up in a pastor's home where we moved every few years. You realize I haven't even been in a single church for longer than seven years. And me and my family have been able to be here planted at all seasons seven and a half. We've been able to grow relationships and foster things that I could have only dreamed of as a kid. And God says, and you're sitting here begging and and wallowing, you know, about, look at what I've done for you. I didn't go to a single school for more than three years. I've been able to teach at the same one starting 12th year next year. It's amazing. My son will start the fourth grade, so even after just one more year, he will be in one school longer than I ever was. And that was one of the things when I entered ministry, I prayed to God and say, God, will you please allow them to, to, to not have to endure those sort of things? You're probably saying, Pat, why are you sharing all this? I'm here to tell you that I'm just like all of you. I go through seasons where I can lose heart over my own circumstance, but God reminds me that your circumstance were ordered from the time you were born when I formed you in your mother's womb. So no longer worry and stress over the fact that you haven't seen my hand work yet. Just trust me that it will and keep asking. 
So I keep talking to God. He knows my heart. He knows where my desire is. But I'm not going to get angry when he doesn't answer when I want to. I'm having faith and trusting and believing that the right doors will open when the time comes. Amen? Until then, I'm going to keep asking, but I'm also going to keep working. Some of you, you, the enemy's trying to get in your feelings and get in your mind and saying, why isn't this happening yet? I'm sick of waiting. Sick of waiting on the right job. I'm sick of waiting for the miracle, the, the health. I'm, I'm sick of waiting for the financial breakthrough. I'm sick of waiting for the right person in my life. And God's saying, if you'll trust me and you'll keep talking to me about it, I promise you in due season you're going to reap. Amen? I hope that made sense. Let's go to Psalm 139. And, and I know this is, I'll, I'll walk through it very quickly, but in the mindset of that is to understand that God knows us. Psalm 139, a Psalm of David. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you've what? Known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar See, that's the beauty of God. He knows that we're, what we're going to ask. I'm, Jesus, when he said, what do you want me to do for you? Do you think Jesus didn't know the man was blind? Not to sound too disrespectful or be too comedic there, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he knew he was blind. But there's just something about still wanting to hear it from his voice. I'm a father with two boys. Again, I, especially our youngest son, he, we know what he wants when he brings his cup or brings something to us, but... Want him to what? Ask. There's something about asking. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. How many of you are thankful that the hand of the Lord is on you? No matter what you're facing, don't lose heart. The hand of the Lord is on you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I can't attain it. I can't understand how it is, but I know that it is. So look at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, what does it say? Even your hand shall lead me and your right hand hold me. Don't lose heart because whatever's coming at you, you may have storms coming from it seems like every way. It seems like there's you get five phone calls a day with a different fire that you feel like you need to have put out. But I'm here to tell you, even in those most stressful situations, hold fast because God's hand is upon us. It's leading us and it's holding us. And he says, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Hallelujah. Even if things are going to be dark around me, God, you're good enough to make that night fall light. Let's read one more verse and we'll finish up. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. One more. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So how can I hold fast and not lose heart? 
Because I know that the creator of the universe, the one who designed my calling, the one who designed who I am, the one who made me who I am and gifted me and molded me, he has me. And as long as I trust and walk after his righteousness and listen to his voice, I can't take a step that won't be ordered. Amen? Will you stand with me this morning? If you'll bow with me for just a, just a moment. I want to ask... I want to ask Holy Spirit to begin to move and speak to hearts here listening to me. And I know it's an 8 o'clock service on a July Sunday morning in the summer, but I believe that there's at least one person that's coming to this building this morning that's facing some difficult situations, some difficult circumstances. There's, there's at least one person listening to me this morning where the temptation to lose heart has been strong. You find yourself ready to just throw in the towel, to cash in the chips, to leave it all behind. Say, God, this, I, I thought, this, was, I thought this, this walk with you, I thought all of this was going to lead me t- to where I wanted to go, but I'm, I'm not enjoying this journey. Tempted to doubt, lose heart. Maybe it's fear. God, I, just, I shouldn't have taken this step. I should have just stayed where I was. whether it's a medical issue that you're dealing with, a financial situation, or maybe it's a relationship situation. I'm here to encourage you today. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. The Lord who fearfully and wonderfully made you is still God. He's still on His throne. Nothing has changed. And He's still ready to wrap His arms around you and give you comfort and assurance that that which He began in you, He is good enough and willing to complete. Not halfway, but fully. Amen? If you're here this morning, you can say, Pastor Bradley, I've been tempted to lose heart, but today I'm, today I'm going to go into the prayer closet. Today I'm, I'm going to wipe the dust off Maybe I've been knocked down on this road, but I'm going to get back up, dust myself off, and I'm going to keep moving toward the destiny God has called me to be. Just as a sign to God, if, if that's you, say, I've, I've been tempted to lose heart, but today I'm going to keep moving toward the destiny God has called me. Will you just raise your hand to heaven and let the Lord know, God, today I'm moving forward. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in victory over the enemies. Now listen, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm not going to manipulate and I'm not going to try to coerce. But as I said, sometimes to get the master's attention, you may have to do something a little bit different. You may have to get out of your comfort zone. So if you're here this morning and you're serious and you say, it's time for me to take a step toward what God's called me to be. And again, if you feel the Lord pulling you, if you feel the Lord tugging you, not Pastor Bradley, these altars are open. Maybe that first step that you need to take is just as a, as a sign, as a representation of what I need to do. I need to step out and go and meet God in the altar. I need Him to talk with me. I need to get serious. I'm, 
It is our, your version of crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. If that's you, these altars are open. And if you'll come down, we have people that will pray with you. And most importantly, the Lord will meet you right here. Father, we thank you this morning for your many blessings. We thank you for all that you are and for all that you've done. Father, I thank you, God, for the promise of knowing that you have our steps ordered. You said the righteous man, their steps are ordered. You said that our fervent prayer will avail much. So, Father, I pray for those that are here, those who have admitted, God, that times have been difficult. Fear and doubt and worry has overwhelmed them, and they've been tempted to lose heart. Father, today I pray that your hand will rest upon them, that your Holy Spirit will touch their heart, that will give them comfort, that will give them peace, that will give them joy. Father, that your hand, Father, will move on their behalf today. Give them reassurance today. Help them to walk in confidence. Father, we rebuke the lie of the enemy, the voice of the enemy that's been in their mind, telling them that they're going to fail, that they're not going to make it, that the, the situations and battles they're facing are going to overcome. Father, we rebuke that now in Jesus' name. We speak and proclaim truth over their lives. Father, today, I pray, Lord, that you will meet with us. Father, for all of us, help us, Father, to enter into your, to our prayer closets and persist. Help us to pray until we know that your hand has moved, until we feel you moving on our lives, until we hear an answer from you. Father, do not let us grow weary in our well-doing, but help us to continue and persist in these last days for you. I pray that your hand be upon each person here. I pray blessing and favor upon each one that's here today. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for hanging out with us here at All Seasons. Go get the devil fits this week.